0: Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. Welcome to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. It looks like you made it back. We must be keeping alive. We must be keeping. Oh, I butchered it. We must be keeping all our listeners alive. Staying alive. Alive oh, and well. Damn it. We did hear some Bee Gees this morning.
1: Oh my God.
0: You love um, the Bee Gees.
1: Oh, I just. I. I love. I love seventies music just because it's just. I, it was a different time and a place, obviously, but we're, uh, you know, we were cruising around Florida again today, and there's a reason that I love living in Bluegrass, Iowa, and that's because. I spend no time in traffic, so we sat on the, what was it, the 589? Good, guess. yes. Oh, know. my God. It's like watching paint dry.
0: Yep, for one car that had a smashed-in bumper, and it was pushed off the side of the road, and there was still some glass around. So thoughts and prayers for that person, but it was really uh, delaying us for about 35 minutes.
1: Everybody has to kind of stop and, you know, act like they're, I don't know, reporting on the news or something. I wish everybody would just... Continue on,
0: right? Take a peek and and nothing here to see. Nothing, nothing here to see. Move along. So once again, hey, Fred and Dave here, Quad City Safety. We are on LinkedIn. Fred Redunzel and Dave White with Quad City Safety. I'm QC Safety Fred on Twitter. So today, what we're looking to do is take you guys back a little bit when we were wee little lads. and By wee little lads, I mean it could be ten years ago, but back to our roots. We're going to share some stories from our lives that brought us to this place where safety has become more than passion. It's integrated into everything that we do. So Dave, go ahead.
1: Well, I guess, you know, I guess part of what we want to talk about is, you know, thoughts as it relates to your parents because your parents kind of give you a lot of thought processes that you go through life with. And, you know, one of them is, you know, kind of gets back to, uh, my father was in Vietnam, and he was uh, subjected to a lot of stuff there. And so I guess the whole thing is when I, I keep trying to hammer on these chronic things that happen over time was, you know, he was in mind warfare, so he was one of the guys that... Uh, would either through radio or they would load up in helicopters and drop the messages of telling, Hey, Charlie, surrender. We've got, we've, we've got this. You need to just give up, give up, give up. But in those being not to mention being shot at and shooting back is he was subjected to a lot of, you know, agent orange in those areas and come uh, blast forward a uh, couple years ago, he, he, died of a heart attack, and they called it the Widowmaker Heart Attack. And one of the things that there's a causal connection between is is there's a lot of vets who went through Vietnam that were exposed to to some of those compounds. And long term, they have a very high PSA score, and it's not uncommon that they dry, die of those, those types of heart attacks. And they think that there's a causal connection about what they were subjected to you know, while fighting in the military and, you know, last forward years. Yeah. So, you know, something that, uh, maybe he didn't teach me, but looking back to my dad is that, that was, that was something that, you know, was kind of, a, an an opening thing there.
0: Okay. What, uh, so what, what experiences then kind of in your life then kind of gave you the confidence to not settle for somebody else's like baseline.
1: You know, I I guess a lot of it was, you know, um, I was always kind of, my parents did a good job of kind of put me, you know, uh, how to say it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, but good was never great. Right. So don't accept, don't accept where you're at now that there's always more to get. Um, a lot of it was that, uh. Compassion. You know, if you if you care for people, you will achieve great things. You know, there's you can't you can't step on the, the throats of people and expect them to, to, to help you get to, to, to good things.
0: Right. So a little bit more about then kind of your story, then I would say I know I know it a little bit, but you came in through finance and yet oh, somehow you ended up being sort of a safety expert. And knowing everything there is to know about safety, but
1: you well, didn't go to school for safety. You no, just happened back, to go to a school. My background was accounting, but uh, account that kind of it, it, it's going to kind of sound weird, but it kind of trained me for it because you know when you talk about safety, there is a lot of standards, and accounting has a lot of rules and standards. So when whether it's how do you depreciate a fixed asset or how do you? Well, how does compound interest work? So there's a lot of, of math and thought processes in accounting. Well, there's a lot of math and thought processes when you talk about safety. Yeah. You know, for instance, when we talk about a lot of safety uh, safety things, is I always like to talk about the principle of dose. So you know, like Fred's poor, poor little guy was been throwing up this morning, a little sick. So. Uh, uh, I'm sure that your, your wife had to, to administer some acetaminophen or Tylenol to, to, to uh, handle that, that fever. Well, as we all know, when we start looking at it, you have to sit there and go, well, the child is from X weight to Y weight. And based on that weight, you can give them so many, you know, whether it's tablets, teaspoons, milligrams, whatever, over, you know, a period of time. Yeah. So, you know, having that accounting background really drives me into understanding those thought processes of dose. So the amount of things that people can be subjected to over time and what they can be subjected to is let's say we're talking respiratory. It can be, I mean, when you wear a respirator, you're still, you're still getting a dose of what you're trying to filter out. You're just trying to keep it below, uh, a, a value that, uh, whether it's a TLV or whether it's parts per million, um, uh, how say there's there's basically the, the lab nerds have got out gone out there and said, you know you can you can have this much lead, right? Uh, if you get a little more lead than that, uh, you're going to have some problems with your brain. Okay, uh, you know that's that's kind of you know they figure this stuff out over time. You know they watched kids eating paint chips over time. You know kind of not do very well in school and it kind of messed up their brains and finally they went, well, we have a problem with lead. Yeah. And, kind of figured out that you can have a little bit, but where you can't have it. So they've written that into the safety standards.
0: Okay, so you're going off the rails a little bit. Going way off the rails, yep. i So back to my original question. So you came in to safety, to work for a safety company as a finance person, but what ended up giving you the passion actually for safety and not just being the person that helps helps with the numbers and no, does that? Because At some point you had to be like, damn it, that, this is actually, I want to build my life around this, and it's important well, it's, to me. It's,
1: it's people. I love people. And I want to make sure that, you know, people are happy. And, you know, kind of the, uh, the rewarding thing mentally is if I do my job correctly and show people safety, show people a way to make it through without being harmed right. while at work, they get to return to the things that are the most meaningful things in life, which is kind of your, your family and your free time.
0: Right. So you kind of saw an opportunity for greater purpose.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, everybody's searching for purpose. Mm-hmm. And having that that purpose that is, you know, how to say I'm not a doctor, so I can't do doctors without borders. But, you know, I came in and it was – uh in finance but saw a way that you know that it was something that I got yeah I I understood how to explain it and and really had the opportunity to transition out of something that I was doing before into something that kind of has a better purpose you know ever I like training people I, I like showing people new things and I really like it because of the mental reward that if I do it and I do it good, somebody's going to return home. Somebody's going to be okay. We're, we're not going to deal with the fact that you know uh, somebody can't see they can't see their kids. Um, they uh, maybe we kept them from getting burned. Um, you know anybody that's right. ever looked at the the mental aspects of somebody that's become that that's had you know, burns to them is that's something that's catastrophic mentally to somebody. I mean, it's, it's, it, uh, it's, it's not, it changes their life from the standpoint of, you know, it damages just kind of their outward look, but it mentally is something that people can't get over.
0: Right. So my story is a little bit different, obviously. Um, but I ended up getting laid off from a sales job. Um, so the, the company is back in like 2008, 2009, I don't even remember exactly what the year was. Anyways, way back, I ended up getting laid off from a sales company that um, just decided to all of a sudden cut the workforce directly in half. And I was younger and the person that was near me was older and had been with the company longer. So they had priority more invested in them. So they kept them and I was out looking for a job. And so a few months go by, and I have a buddy that installs satellite dish for a living. And he's very, very good at it. He's got all the skill set. He's done it a million times. And so he's one of those guys that can just go out there, feed out all the cable, man, throw that dish up, line it up real quick, throw the bolts in, turn on your, you know, plug it all in. And he's good to going out of there. Well... For a newcomer, it, it, takes a bit, it takes a bit longer. You don't really figure things out. You, so if you've ever had somebody out at your house and you're like, God, what is taking so long? It's probably somebody like me that received a very low level of training and, uh, <laughs> and you're, you're out there working. But digress. There was a day that I was, was going to get up on a roof and I had had a, I wore no fall protection doing this job.
1: Most people don't do that. Yep.
0: So no, no one did. I never saw anyone. Now this is yeah, where I mean, we're at nine, 10 years ago.
1: I think so, they're starting to really push towards them not putting them on roofs now. Right.
0: And so they, um, I, I would set up a ladder. There was one day that I had set up a ladder on the back of a house and it was a serious drop of like a two or three story house. And so I was up there, my ladder fully extended about 28 feet, huh. and all of a sudden, the ladder, I was by myself, and the ladder goes just by itself. I'm up on the roof, and the ladder, psh, I see that, no, as the ladder just falls and crashes on their fence and falls down. And now I'm standing up on the roof with no <laughs> way, with no way. <laughs> No way to get off the roof. Yeah. And so, what I ended up choosing to do eventually, I didn't have a phone. Nothing. So, what I ended up choosing to do was I walked to the front of the house, which was maybe uh 11 foot drop, and I jumped. And so, I jumped, hit the ground, did a barrel roll, and landed and ended up fine. I was fine. My back hurt a little bit, but I was fine. I was able to go pick up my ladder, put it back up. Finish the job. I don't know if I could,
1: I, don't, I yep. do not know if I could have got back up. on. Right. right, so I on. did it.
0: So I got back up there, put it back up, finished the job. Well, fast forward another month later, another ladder. I put the ladder up on, um, uh, what's up, like an overhang in the front of somebody's house, like over a porch. Mm-hmm. Well, I lean it up on this overhang, cause this is right where near where I'm gonna be hanging a satellite dish. And the overhang gives. The overhang gives out. That's what my ladder's balancing on. So all of a sudden I am now on the ladder and the ladder is going down forward. So it's not falling backwards where you have a little bit of time. So, it's going through, through this overhang. The overhang drops and I go through the overhang, and So I'm going down. I fall on the ground, stop myself with my hand, which jams up my elbow, hyperextends my elbow and my thing still clicks to this day. But at that point, it became, it's
1: time to get out of doing this. <laughs> I can't do this. I'm going to kill myself. So how long? So, so you have two ladder incidents. How long were you on the job? Three months.
0: <laughs> Three months of doing that. And uh, I found to do something different. So a little bit of time of doing another, just working a retail job nights and weekends. And I found Quad City Safety. And I got in the mix um interviewed and it became a sales job and I had no prior knowledge about safety. So, indirectly, a safety incident ended up getting me into safety. And so obviously the training aspect of how to properly use your ladder, never had that, you know, nothing protecting me up on the roof other than that I think about what if I don't work it in the wintertime? You slip on some ice on a roof, and all of a sudden, instead of my ladder going 28 feet off a roof, I don't hear too often about that, but it has to happen yeah. out there. So you think. So anyway, so I started with a safety company working with having no safety knowledge. And so through being an okay salesperson, I started developing and was able to get a passion for it. But the conversation that I wanted this to lead into was – Not everyone ends up in safety because they have a passion for safety. Sometimes it's just a job. Like responsibilities get bestowed upon the person in your organization that maybe they know a little something about safety. Um, I didn't know anything about safety. And all of a sudden I have these responsibilities where I'm going in and talking to people about their safety programs. That happens at other places, too, where the janitor all of a sudden, hey, man, you're pretty good at throwing those Zorbents down. I think you you know how to do that, and so all of a sudden he becomes a safety guy or the human resources person. Yeah, it's
1: not uncommon for you know how to say maybe not big places, but when we talk about smaller headcount, is typically management kind of gets gets their insurance renewal number knows oh, man, we're starting to pay quite a bit on work comp. Right. And usually that agent will say, you know, you need, you probably need to get a safety person. And so trying to check that box, right. they just kind of go, well, like, you know, to your to your uh, point there is typically it's somebody that's been around for a while. So whether, let's say it's, hell, it can be a maintenance guy or it can just be somebody... Bill's been here for twenty years. He probably knows what's going on. So we'll, right. we'll he knows all on. our
0: processes and all the stuff that we do. So so they
1: say, hey, Bill, here you go. You're you're our guy. And Bill sits there and Bill accepts the position because they they threw a little bit of money at him and he's kind of got a title and he's not going to have to you know crawl up into the machines as much. Yeah, the you fingernails know stay clean. Yeah, he's got a got a little bit better, little bit better gig on paper. But then he sits there and flounders because he, he literally, while he knows maybe how people have historically got hot, hurt, he may not have the knowledge to, to know, you know, how to fix that or what to look for.
0: Right. And sometimes these companies can look at it and say, well, we checked the box. We hired a safety guy. Correct. So that it's, it's just a, a different thing that you, you really got to look at, like when you're even maybe talking to the safety person at your own company or...
1: But but to go back to that, though, Fred, is, you know, we keep talking about this. is Safety is a community. Yeah. So, you know, even, you know, if you're the guy that's listening to this podcast and you're like, holy shit, that's who I am. Right. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. Yeah. Because there is, whether it's online, whether it's, uh, you know, a sales professional like Fred Redunzel. Yeah. You know, there are people that have been out there kind of studying the stuff that are out there to help. I mean, nobody, how to say, I don't really know of anybody that has, you know, kind of a trade secret special sauce thing that's safety. Like we have this thing that keeps people so safe that we're going to, we're going to trademark it and we're not going to share it to anybody. We're right. going to hide it. We got the
0: invisible bubble.
1: Yeah, we got yeah, we got the invisible face shield. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you, you can't see, but it protects everybody. But we're not gonna we're not gonna share it. Yeah, I guess people have you know, manufacturers may have some, you know, some patents on, you know, products or whatever, but most of the time there's safety solutions out there that And those manufacturers want you to have it. Correct. They're not hiding it from you. They no. want you to have it. They want you to have it and they'll come out hell, they'll train you how to use it. And uh, they usually can uh, teach you, uh, again, if you don't have that historical knowledge, they can train you up, not just on the product, as they can usually train you up on the hazard or what you should look for. Yep. Cool. I think that was a, a good combo. So let's... Is uh, so that what the... kid When did this combo... combo I, My kids just started breaking that off. Did they? Is that like within the last year or two? I don't know. It's just an abbreviation. Conversation. Yeah,
0: but convo. I mean, is it cool? I don't think I'm cool. So maybe I'm cooler. Maybe I can fit in with the high school kids. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so.
0: So we'll move on to uh, the dumbass of the week this week. So hit the music. Fictional name. Let's call this guy Harvey.
1: Yeah, Harvey. Harvey is gets up gets in his gets in his truck heads heads to the job site talks to the foreman the foreman wants him to break out one of those industrial sized buzz saws you know the one that's the one that you can't just go down to home depot and get a you know exchange blade for right so he fires this thing up and you know y'all see him all summer long and he's cutting this concrete and there's just just a plume of dust cut coming up. It's it's to the point that you're driving through the construction zone and you can barely see what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's so like you open the door and snoop dogs in there. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the whole thing is he thinks that he's just doing his job because that's what they've told him. Well, the whole time that he's cutting that concrete he's breathing in uh, breathing in silica. And so this is kind of a dual stage dumbass of the week is one uh, Harvey's boss obviously put him in harm's way by uh, you know asking him to do something that you know that should have been kind of a wet cut so or wearing a, you know a respirator to do it but you know obviously Harvey's been standing out there cutting it so he's breathing it in he's he's throwing it all over the place so everybody that's on the job site around him is breathing it in right um, and so we're gonna call Harvey our, our dumbass of the week based on that so
0: interesting question that comes from that so like in harvey's situation here he might not have known that this dust was causing this to happen to him so what can really what can harvey do like is that something that i mean it can be as simple as you start feeling kind of crappy while you're doing your job like there might be a reason for it to ask some questions you know it never maybe hurts, it's to research. never hurts
1: to to ask before you start a task. Right. Because Harvey's boss might have known something, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, a, a foreman's not there twenty-four hours a day watching everything that everybody does.
0: And might assume that Harvey knows, knows that to do know, this.
1: Because a lot of cases, uh, they just didn't hook up the water line. Right. <laughs> you know, to, to do that wet cut. Or, you know, maybe it's his first day on the job and... Nobody's paid attention that, hell, he does you know, unless maybe he came from a different industry where they didn't have to wear a, a respirator or not. No, the whole thing, you know, as it gets back to is it's okay to be ignorant. But, you know, as a group, we need to see something, say something. We need to have a community uh, of people where we feel that we can have the conversations and do, you know, share the knowledge or point out that hey man you really you know you really shouldn't do that. I mean, it's amazing to me that if you watch people are watching a group of kids, yeah, an adult will walk up to a kid and go, Hey man, I know you're not my kid, but you probably shouldn't do that. Right. But we won't do that to an adult that's putting themselves in harm's way. Right. And so it's not bad to to be how to say Hold yourself accountable. I mean, somebody tells you to, you know, go pound sand after you try to tell them, hey, don't breathe in that because it's not good for you. Right. You know, that's, that's, not, that's nothing to feel bad about.
0: Yeah, it kind of becomes, it's on, it's on them at that point. But, yeah, you definitely let people know. Like, if you have, if you have some education in that, in that area and you see somebody being stupid and reckless with their own health, it's your duty, almost. you know, it's your duty to let them know.
1: Um, well, I mean, safety doesn't quit it, you know, or it doesn't, uh, it has no quitting time. So, right. so literally if you, you see somebody that doesn't have their seatbelt on, it's in, in the car, you know, Hey, can you put your seatbelt on? Right. Um, maybe somebody's had uh, one too many, maybe, you know, maybe they're, they're getting ready to, uh, I mean, no telling maybe that. Maybe it's that dumbass neighbor of yours that doesn't know how to to ride, light a barbecue grill. Right. And you you see that he's got the gas on and you're you're going, Well man, this is not gonna be good when he finally gets that thing lit as he clicking all quick clicking away on a light. Right. It. Somewhere with the turkey fryer. Oh yeah, he's got He's he's got his his frozen Sara Lee turkey and he's he's got it and he's he's set up his turkey fry right in the middle of the garage and put newspaper just down and yeah. drops that frozen turkey in as a, there's a plume of fire that goes through the right. theres the roof and kind of you know has a real shitty holiday. So Harvey's a dumbass. Anyways,
0: we will uh, let's comb through the email box for this week, uh, ask a few questions. It's again. I know, I say it every week, but please reach out to us with questions. Um, fred at QuadCitySafety LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, QuadCitySafety. Uh, reach out to us you know in any of those ways. If you feel comfortable. Little,
1: there's even a little button on our website that uh, you can you can hit that you can bang out the question there also. All right,
0: dope. So number one, who is considered a competent person? Do they have to go through some sort of class?
1: You know, realistically, uh, when you look at the word "competent," uh, a competent person is somebody has to be recognized by the employer. So, the employer kind of has to make a judgment call of what they are going to take as a you know a competent person. Okay. So, a person theoretically could take a competent you know, there's there's a lot around fall protection, competent comes in there. So you can have a competent inspector or you could have a, a competent person. So let's say if we're looking at the standard, it says that, you know, uh, let's say we have harnesses and lanyards and pursuant to ANSI 359 on that annual basis we need to inspect, you know, once a year, it deems that it needs to be handled by a competent person. Well, competent uh, means that they have to have knowledge about the area, and sometimes that can be, you know, a class. So they either have to be, have been somebody that's been around fall protection, or they've taken that class is the first part. The second part is the employer has to look at them and go, you are our competent person. So uh, it's kind of a two-step thing is one is they have to have the knowledge or some level of training and then the second is that they are identified by the employer. So just because somebody, you know, may, uh, may you know, let's say that uh, we have a guy that's been around the job site for 50 years and we think that he knows everything. And if he hasn't been deemed the competent person by the employer, he's, you know, he, he's not technically the, the competent person.
0: Okay, cool. All right, number two. <laughs> I have waterproof shoes, and I think that my shoes are leaking. Is that common?
1: Uh, More often than not, uh, we sell a lot of insulated boots, and boots can be insulated a number of ways. And typically, uh, how to say, waterproof insulated. So most of the time when you are, well, a lot of times you'll have just a, Waterproof boot, but then you'll have waterproof insulated. So there's a lot of different things going on. But in waterproof insulated boots, it's not uncommon for there to be a booty, a Gore Tex booty. So uh, there's a glorified bag in the back or glorified bag in the shoe that keeps your foot dry. Right. Well, the problem is, is, those are usually not permeable membranes. So they're hot. So imagine just sticking your foot in a garbage bag. Right. Well, a lot of times they're insulated. So we got our foot in a garbage bag with, with a blanket on them. And then we've got a, our foot in a garbage bag with a blanket on them, and they are running on the treadmill. Well, we're going to produce heat and we're going to produce sweat. So a lot of times what we'll find is people think that they have, you know, a leaky uh, waterproof resistant boot that realistically... The moisture or the wetness that they perceive to be uh, from the outside of the boot is actually created inside the boot. And a lot of times they'll be wearing a cotton sock. So if you're wearing a water-resistant-proof shoe, whether it's insulated or not, it's usually better to wear some level of a moisture-wicking sock so so that you don't create that... Create and retain that moisture inside the shield.
0: And That that exists? I don't think I've even
1: seen moisture wicking socks. I know I've seen that in a lot yeah, of be clothing. A, they'll be a synthetic. Basically, you're going for something that's not like a, a high,
0: high cotton or wool. Right. And a lot of times in the wintertime, people put on wool socks real inside Real heavy their-
1: natural fiber socks will get just way wet You because okay. they just suck everything up. And you really have a bad experience with your feet. Get some funk down there. Oh, gotta love people's feet. <laughs> hey, check this out. You know, I've, I've, I've been in our, our stores before, and it's amazing what people will show you. Whether it's a rash or the fact that they, they, you know, their second toe on their right foot sticks straight up in there. Right, and they're the like toenails can... are
0: curled around their toes. Oh
1: yeah, it looked like it's, it's
0: awful, but from yeah. the crypt. Have you see that a lot. Ooh. Flying on an airplane today. That's the.
1: Favorite things. When uh, I'm somebody sure gets, somebody will take their shoes. Gets off. on an
0: airplane, they put their uh, foot, you know, across their legs, and all of a sudden you see those piggies, <laughs> stinky ass piggies, yeah. from sitting around an airport all day dangling. Oh, you savages! All right, Dave. Question number three. Nobody's wearing fall protection um, in my neighborhood on a roof that they're working on. There was just flags going up around the roof. Is that okay?
1: Uh in the. F- From the standpoint that uh, you said in my neighborhood would tell me that it sounds like it's a residential roof. And usually on a sloped roof, while kind of ocean bounces back and forth on residential roofing and whether they're going to enforce fall protection. So if it was a residential roof and they were trying to, which would have a pitch to it, you're not going to be able to use, you know, a flagging or a warning system, that's going to be on a flat roof. So in that case, I would say no. But let's kind of dive into, let's say that it was uh, up at uh, up at Casey's or whatever, you know, and you were driving to get you, you know, a pop from Old Girl or whatever. Uh, holler at Old Girl. Ho- yeah, holler at Old Girl. You know, maybe pick up a pack of smokes and a Red Bull or whatever.
0: Slice of pizza and a six pack of MGDs. <laughs>
1: yeah. Whatever it is. Maybe some corn, nuts, and beef jerky. Swisher Sweets. Go ahead.
0: Okay, right on. Let's list off everything that they sell at Casey's. It'll be fun. Uh,
1: so um, so you, you're you driving by Casey's and you're looking at that warning system and it, that is uh, that is allowable to, to work on a roof without fall protection with that warning line system. But the warning line system has some requirements. Uh, first of all, You have to have the you know the pennant flags then you have to have the grabber cones kind of like you see in traffic situations uh the you know the big tall cones or whatever looper or grabber cones or stanchions whatever you want to call them (coughs) they'll make even heavier metal stanchions that that can 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 withstand what they need to and uh the pennant flag so the the first requirement is the pennant flags are the little flags on a string that you see at the carnival or whatever right usually it's not those because those are going to be made kind of out of that uh that garbage bag material or whatever but uh to have that 500 pounds of tensile strength usually it'll have kind of a piece of poly rope or something going down it that gives it that tensile strength because obviously if it's a <clears throat> warning line You don't want it, you know, a good stiff wind to kind of hit it and, you know, it break because it's just nothing more than garbage bag material or, you know, poly. Okay. Um, The second part of it is, you know, uh, the cones. The cones have to be uh, between, usually they're about 39 inches tall because the pennant flags need to not have a lot of deflection. So you can't just kind of hang them up and it, you know, you almost want them to kind of in a straight line. So a deflection, if you're at 39, you don't really want the deflection to go below 36 or three inches of deflection. Okay. Um, The other requirement is you want, the stanchion has to be able to uh, maintain a little bit of force from the top. So, you know, the, the caveat there is if it's, all of a sudden there's a stiff wind, yeah. You know, and you got your pennant flags on there that are acting kind of like a sail, that it doesn't just doesn't kind of flop over. And then somebody, you know, either doesn't see it or doesn't kind of feel it. And the final part of it is the best practice would be to have somebody that kind of monitors because, you know, um, it's when you got people in there working in and around, they may not be paying attention to it. To where the uh, warning flag is or maybe somebody knocked it over or cut it or whatever and somebody's wheeling material around or whatever and doesn't see it you want somebody kind of paying attention to the workers up there so that if they get out of that that uh uh, that that area that uh, you let them know
0: yeah because i'm i'm sure they'll see time to time that The guy's like, oh, I just got to reach out here a little bit. Let me uh, take a couple steps. I'm still not super close to the edge. I was
1: a couple months ago watching somebody working on one of the local high schools doing some stuff to the roof, and they had a pennant flag up there. Yeah. And he decided he was on the other side of the pennant flag and was working on kind of the softened area, you know, kind of hanging over the edge doing some stuff. And I just kind of laughed at myself because, I mean, it was like – okay, man, nobody's yeah. nobody's paying attention to this.
0: I like Guy that does the uh, – he's real close to the edge, so he puts his ass to the line and then just kind of backs up and pushes it out. So it's like the thing's bowing out like two feet. <laughs> it's like, I'm still inside the line. Yeah. Yeah, so this thing bows out. So definitely, yeah, somebody just be like, hey,
1: stop it. You know? Theoretically, that line should be six foot, so he's got probably a, a, a little bit of post, you know, to – to move around. But yes, really shouldn't be crossing that line.
0: Fair enough. So that's good. We'll close up the box for today. So a little bit earlier, we we were talking a little bit about my, my couple jobs that I got into before I got into safety. So let's have a quick conversation here about some real shit jobs that we had growing up. So the first one that comes to mind for me is working in a shoe store. And I know we sell shoes, so we have people that work in a shoe store. I don't think we're quite as as antiquated as this shoe store was, but it was like they were real big into getting metrics on insoles. And you get this sneaker and you try it on this person, and you you have to get 35% to purchase an insole and to have an add-on sale. And that was high pressure for just a 20-year-old kid that just wanted to get drunk, (laughs) make his $10 an hour and want to get drunk. So that one stunk laying sod is a difficult job to do so they had a machine that they they went where they drove with the tractor and the tractor would lay out the sod and then i'd go out there without gloves on or anything like that and grab the piece of sod and push it into the next piece and just go down the line pushing every single piece over and then there's a tree so you got to cut a certain you get all that sod laid and then you're cutting a circle around where that tree is
1: at You got to love when you see bad sod laid bad. Yeah. Where there's the gaps or whatever, and you kind of (laughs) have those those permanent lines. That's that, that
0: person that their hands hurt so bad from gripping that sod with their fingers and sliding it over on a summer day from 6.30 in the morning until five o'clock in so the afternoon. So you did the big
1: rolls, not just like the Correct. pieces on the pallet or
0: whatever. This was mostly doing the big rolls, but we also had to do some of the, for different areas. You can't yeah. drive something in, so then you gotta get the pieces. But yes, this was the big rolls that you lay out. And then like an assembly line, you're sliding down, throwing pieces over and really grinding and pushing hard. So that one sucked. My, my least favorite one only lasted one day. It was, I worked at a a place that they had go-karts. And so they were building a new go-kart track. So all the the groundwork was laid, but what we were doing for the day was the side pieces that keep you on the go-kart track. So they had the professionals in there installing, and I was like 18 years old. And literally what my job was was to sit on my ass, and he would bolt this thing together and then i would kick the track until it fell into place where he could then bolt the next piece so it was me following him around all day and kicking with my sneaker kicking this go-kart track two inches and then sliding down another foot and kicking it two inches yeah that and then they told me i had a basketball game the next day and it was hey you gotta come back uh, tomorrow and do it. Well, I'm not going to be able to make it. I have a basketball game next day. Well, you got to decide whether or not you want to work here. Oh, you think I got to decide whether or not I want to kick kick a go-kart track for eight hours? I think I'm good, man. Thanks. I'll come back for my $32 that I made today. Yeah. So that was one. What do you got? You got me?
1: Yeah, mine, probably the worst ones were uh, kind of farm-related Like uh, when I was a kid, we always had bucket cows and you always had to mess with them. And we had to do it. I caught the bus at like six o'clock in the morning. So I would have to go out before that. And it seemed like every, every other batch you'd get one or two of them would get the scours. And scours is basically diarrhea. So you got these cows just shitting on you. And not to mention, you got to kind of give them oral medication. So you're wrestling this cow that's been in a stall, laying in its own shit, and you're trying to get it up. And um, imagine a big old stick. You put the pill in the, the stick, and then you have to grab the, grab the little bucket cap by the neck, and it's you know, it's it's raising hell and wiggling around, and you're trying to get this stick down its neck, and then hit the pop. You kind of pop the pill, and it you know makes it swallow because you can't walk up to a cow and just. You know, say, will you, will you take this? Yeah, here's a
0: glass of milk. Wash this down. Yeah,
1: not how it works. So <clears throat> it would seem like you would come back and, you know, you'd just have that barn shit smell on you all day. So that was a nasty, that was not my favorite. Yeah, I feel like I'd rather kick go-kart tracks. Um, another nasty one would be busing tables. So kind of worked at this, uh, it was just, Chicken and mashed potato stuff. But, it, you know, people would just, you know, how to say, by the time you get dishes you kind of scrape them off and you're trying to get all the food waste into something and you've got it all over your hands and yourself and then the dishwasher's hot. So, you know, you got water going And when you, by the time you just get home, that was a nasty feeling. Yeah. So, no, I've had a lot of those jobs where, you know, um, the other classic one was when, stripping floors is they put that ammonia down and you'd have to take a razor blade and scrape the edges. So imagine crawling all the way around the high on your knees <laughs> scraping this wax up. All right. You know, so no I've had my share of just ones that is just uh, I'm pretty uh pretty happy that I don't have to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah
0: that for some reason that reminds me I, I worked in a grocery store and I was driving around their Zamboni basically at the yeah. end of the day and I went I didn't realize that the Zamboni was leaking just a little bit and so I went around the entire grocery store and then started looking behind it and you're like oh I've been driving for the last 20 minutes like leaking this slippery slope soap all over the floor <laughs> and so then it's like all right let's fix that and go back and let's redo our Zamboni route and we'll go we'll go counterclockwise instead of clockwise so well cool so it's been real but it's time to get going we gotta hop on a plane here pretty quick, so really hope you liked the show and got a little bit of a uh, some sort of some sort of nugget value out of it. So even if you're just making fun of Dave and I and how we talk to each other, so you didn't have to pay uh, twelve bucks to get into the the latest action thriller. You got to listen to our dumb asses talk for you know forty plus minutes so hopefully, hopefully, it was entertaining. hopefully you mind
1: a little bit of something else. <laughs>
0: yeah hopefully there's actually something good out of it besides listening to us talk complain about our jobs as a kid so really appreciate you listening so if you had a good time and you want more bacon bits just subscribe to the podcast you'll never miss an episode next week uh, we'll be back at it so we hope you will too so one of the best parts of doing this podcast is hearing the feedback from you guys so it's really as good as it gets so We'd like to hear what you have to say. So leave us comments, ask us questions. We'll definitely answer your questions on the show. So you can always jump into the Quad City Safety social media conversations and get involved anytime. So once again, safety has no quitting time and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon's Safety Tales brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety, hashtag safetytales, or email them to Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.